Good morning, welcome to NUFC Matters on this uh, pretty dark and dingy day uh, on Townside, it has to be said, but uh, the atmosphere around the football club is anything but that. It's me and Stu this morning, good morning Stu. Morning mate, how are you? Good, all good mate, all good here after a, a fantastic Amigos last night. Big shout out to Andrew Cushion as well for coming on uh, last night and uh, yeah, that kid's going to go a long, long way, I think we all agreed after last night's show. Um Lots to talk about, as always, in the next hour. And it is match day. Newcastle, of course, off to Aston Villa uh, today. Uh, we covered it on the show last night. It's a 12.30 kickoff. BT Sports covering it. 3,000 Geordies down there. Uh, the team on, hopefully, to a to, to another victory. And um, we learned, obviously, yesterday that the uh, that the injury to ESM isn't as bad as we all thought uh, or led to believe. Miguel Miron uh, has been training all week and could be a surprise feature on the bench today. A couple of weeks ahead of schedule. And Bruno will play on uh, despite this ongoing ankle problem, which he has had. So looking forward to that. I'm sure we'll talk about that towards the end of the game. But uh, we're, we're talking off air, Stu. I think we said we'd probably have a chat about um, sponsorship first because it cropped up on the Amigos last night. A lot of people want to know, um, you know, any news, any whispers. Um, you, you've got a, you've got your own theory as to who you think it might be, Stu. Yeah, it's just that as well. It's a theory. But it's not dark and dingy here, and I've just had to close the curtains because of the sunshine. So <laughs> it's great that you're blocking the sunshine out, and I'm, <laughs> I'm I've been on bended knees for the last couple of hours, praying that we're going to have some sun when I go out on the drink this afternoon. Yeah, it's just turned midday, so you can, if I turn that way, you can see the sun coming through. So <laughs> I've had to close it. The, just to prove to people that I don't agree with everything that Mitch says, and we're not always in tandem as friends shouldn't be. When you were talking yesterday about the, the sponsorships, um, he was more leaning towards RIA, uh, the Riyadh International Airways, where I'm of the opinion, and this, this is, again, just a personal opinion, that I think it'll be Saudi. And the reason behind my thoughts are um, Saudi have recently just expanded or are looking to expand destinations to and from Saudi Arabia by 30. So there's a lot of places around Europe. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head where they were, but I know Munich and places like that were some of them. They've made the visas to get into Saudi Arabia a lot more easier because it used to be very draconian measure just to get access to enter the kingdom. But now it's it's very much uh, simplified and just like traveling any other country, you know, you apply for a visa, you get it and, and you go. And, and I would recommend it visiting to anyone uh, who, because as you know, I travel there a lot. Uh, so it's improved so much over the last decade. But I, I believe the people who went to watch Newcastle there in December were pleasantly surprised at, at, at the experience they had. But of course, the question wasn't about my Saudi tourism board <laughs> propaganda there. It was regarding the, the Saudi Airways now. Because they've expanded by that much. Also, if you recall, uh, earlier in the season, there was a photo shoot with Saudi staff around Newcastle, wasn't it? Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, like at the same bridge and 
uh, at the ground and places like that, the Angel of the North. So to me, that looks like it's it's set. And then if you add that to what Eddie Howe was saying yesterday in, in his press conference, there was regarding what he can spend, what he can't spend. To me, it was quite clear uh, without him saying so that the higher we finish, the more money he's going to have. Uh, yes, Chip, as I do have a town, I was in Tenerife last week. So uh, <laughs> even in the bars, you're going to start. <laughs> I think you've got a stalker, you know, in Chip, as. I know, he, he loves this man. He looks like Sam Smith as well, but I'm sure he doesn't want to be reminded of that. The, that that's that's the reason why I think it could be it could be Saudia. So they're looking to grow, probably in tandem with where Newcastle are looking to grow. Uh, they're looking to grow, grow and have a set a bigger footprint in Europe and globally, as we are as a club. So there's justification in a big sponsorship. Same as like what Arsenal get from Emirates, uh, was it Barcelona? Got a big one from Qatar, as PSG do. You know, so there's no reason why Saudi can't give us a big sponsorship at the same time. So that that's just the reason behind that. I'm not saying that's the case, and that's just my rationale to it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's all just theories. Um, but we're discussing this, and it's, it's been mentioned a couple of times about the, uh, you know, about the stadium uh, stuff this week. I mean, you know, certain channels pushing out, you know, this is definitely going to happen, and this is, uh, you know, they're on good authority. And you know, as soon as you start going down that road, Stu, it's 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 crazy, isn't it? Really, because you know, unless you called Amanda Stavely, Mia Gadusi, or Jamie Rubin, it's highly unlikely you know exactly what is going on. Um, you know, at Newcastle United Football Club. No, we touched on this on Wednesday, and I was surprised with the, the the excitement people were getting because someone had said that they were looking to expand the stadium. Buying Strawberry Place was a clear indication that we're going to expand the stadium. The club is growing. Uh, the team is improving. The demand for tickets is an indication that they're going to um, increase the stadium. But we discussed this in July last year on this show. Yeah. That... And I even mentioned the name of the company that they've been in touch with, which I'll repeat again is SKK. They, they're the ones who are meant to be the leading specialists. But I'm sure I've spoke to other people in, in stadium building and redevelopment, etc. And I'm, I'm sure, well, I'm more than sure they would have done the due diligence and spoke to as many uh, top firms as possible and got as many plans put to them as possible. So it's... it's I, I, I don't understand how it's, it's all of a sudden this thing good news or it's brand new news it's no it's just like Newcastle United play a football wow you know I, 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 I was really surprised <laughs> you know today's Saturday yeah oh, there's an exclusive but it wasn't an exclusive to to that person or that channel it's just common sense really that, that they're going to grow the stadium and Murdad said right, right at the start that's his his intentions were to stay at St James now it that might we might actually outgrow it, and it is quite similar to the entertainers' years when the team on the pitch was outgrew, outgrew the stadium faster, didn't it? And they couldn't build the stadium quick enough to match the demand. Now, if that happens again, and the the we'll have to look re relocate, but that's a discussion for another day, isn't it? Mm. 
Yeah, it, it it certainly is, and it like like I said last night, if if we continue in the same in the same kind of way over the next few years and continue to, to you know to get bigger and better, then you know that demand is going to become greater, and that that ultimately will mean that they will have that uncomfortable decision to make. You know, do we put it to the fans that we we're going to move St, from St James's Park? But yeah, it's 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 not at that stage yet, and um, you know, no. there's still certainly lots of things they can do, and just just agreeing with you really because when. Amanda first came to the club, you know, and I, I sat with her and me, dad, and, you know, it's well publicised now. We kept up the relationship, we kept up the contact, kept up the, you know, the Zoom calls over the takeover. There was conversations that we had about the ground redevelopment and that would be something that they would be looking at and they would do. And these people aren't amateurs. These people have, you know, had their finger on the pulse from day one. Rubens were up here anyway. It's not Jamie Rubin by himself as well. I've got to hasten to add that because there seems to be yeah. this, like, misconception that... Jamie Rubin is in this on his own, um, you know, and it's just him. He's the front of it, yeah, but it's the Rubin brothers. It's the Rubin family. It's the Rubin, you know, the Rubins as a whole who have 10%, um, you know, the, you know, their percentage is, is, is not just Jamie. Oh, it's, a it's, yeah. it's a family concern, yeah. So, you know, from, from, from their, their perspective, from our perspective, though, sorry, they've, they've been in the Northeast. They've developed in the Northeast. They've got, you know, interests in the Northeast. And probably... You know, I would I would even say that probably you know had a had a small part to play and maybe you know convincing Amanda and me and Dad. Well, actually, Newcastle is probably a really good place for you to come. And it, listen, it's it, it's Fantasy Island at the minute for us. We, we can dream about bigger, you know, bigger ground, bigger stadium, new stadium. Who knows? Um, but all in good time. Let's just continue as we say on the show. Um, enjoy the football. Enjoy what's happening on the pitch. You know, enjoy Newcastle United. You know qualifying for the Champions League this season and, and just sit back and enjoy the fact that this isn't the, the you know, a one-off. This isn't a blip. This isn't a, uh, you know, a situation which is only going to happen now and then we're going to have to wait another 24 years for this to happen. This is going to happen again next season. It's going to happen again yeah. the season after. It's going to happen the season after that because Newcastle are a football club now moving forward, not standing still and not going backwards. They're a football club moving forward, Stuart, aren't they? Absolutely. And... If we could, it has to be like twenty odd years since the last time, and we keep harking back to the the entertainers era. But that was probably our last sustained period of success, and we still won nothing. Where this one, I think, we'll know we'll win something. Um, just quickly answer that one, Tom. They'd have to expand Newcastle Airport to get the bigger planes in. Which again, yeah. I know Mick said this yesterday. That would be better for the region. They'll create more jobs. Uh, they'll become a European hub or a stop off on the way to America. There's so much potential. And as you've just said there, Steve, there's the, the people aren't amateurs around this. They're, 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 they're in it to, to make money, but they'll do it on a, not just make money on a, on a one-off season spin gamble. Okay, we've won, let's, let's take away. The, the chairman himself has, has spoke about making this club worth over 3 billion within a number of years. You know, so they're talking about 10 times their money. Uh, and if we just let them get on with it, they know exactly what we're doing. Our job as fans is to sit and support or stand and support or watch from afar as I have to in most games and just enjoy what's on the pitch. Because when we were in this position, I can't remember the... Uh, maybe something's the time clouds your, your thoughts and stuff, but there was, there was no backstab and there was no politics as there is now and... I know social media has a lot to blame, but I was speaking with uh, the, the two lead 
currently us to this show, which will be Mitch and Steve Hastie yesterday. And I says, you know, just let people get on with it. You know, them two especially have done so much over the years to try and free Newcastle or improve Newcastle United as a, as a club from a supporter's perspective. Uh, and they've done it through love of the club, not for any self-gratification or anything like that. It's to improve the club. That's just said, pass the baton on, let people crack on and use just enjoy as support, as watch what's happening with this club and how it's going to grow and we can win trophies without getting bogged down with all the politics. And, and, and to me, that's that's the way to look at it. Mm. You know, the generations change. I'm sure when we were younger, the people who were our age now would have seen these old guys don't know what they're talking about. And, and you know, so we, we just move forward as, as a team. They're, they're exceptional. They're, as individuals, they've, they've all improved. Uh, as supporters, we've stood still. And, and that's that's the downside. The the people in charge want us to do better and they'll do all they can to make us better. We as fans, we've got one simple job and support the club. We're not going to get everything we want our own way, as we've seen with the tickets uh, situation for the cup final. But with more season tickets getting provided with an expanded stadium, that's going to happen again and again and again. But that's the price of success. And I'd rather be in a position where I'm missing out, even as a season ticket holder, I'm missing out going to Wembley every year because we're winning at Wembley every year rather than have to wait 24 years for the next opportunity. So sometimes we need to actually be happy with, with what we've got uh, and allow the people who, the experts to do their jobs and they've, they've uh, recruited extremely well in that field uh, with the, the top people who they believe are the ones to take the club forward. So it's not just a short-term fix it's it's long-term sustainable success that they're after and that's how they're going to make the money so I'm, I'm very very happy with with what we've got and we're sitting third in the in the Premier League imagine that uh, I yeah. know it's a wrong thing to say well, when the club first took over but you have to compare it but they're not they're not pat each other on the back now saying oh look what we've achieved they, they know if they've got another step to go another step to go another step to go and they'll do all they can to get there We've just got it's, a, it's the same ethos. It's the same ethos in the boardroom as it is in the dressing room. Nobody's patting each other on the back. Nobody's saying we've achieved anything because we haven't. Do you know what I mean? The biggest achievement so far for this new ownership and the management and the team is staying up because that was vital to to, yeah. the, to the plan moving forward. Otherwise, we would have been set back a year. You know, things you know things would have had to have changed. So, you know, for us to stay up was a big achievement. Getting to a cup final, yeah, it's great, but we didn't win it. Um, you know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride uh, since, you know, 1969. So so from my perspective, yeah, there's there's room for improvement. Everybody knows that. And that's why I think there's no patting each other on the back. And before I come to what Neil's just saying there about the stadium, um, you know, where did all the, where did all the angst and backbiting and bitching start in the fan base? It started with fanzines. And that, be, that, that is simply because of money. It, there's, no other, there's no other reason yeah. for anyone to get on anyone's back when you're a supporter and you support the same team, the only thing you should really be, you know, disagreeing about is players who are playing in positions or team formations or who's managing if the team's doing badly. But ultimately, if you break it down into brass tacks, the reason that there's a, a you know, backbiting and bitching going on amongst the fan base is because, you know, certain, you know, certain people make money out of it. You know, I have made money out of fanzines. I put my own money in. 
I made a profit on the fanzine. I put it into the fanzine and I, made, I brought another one out, you know, and we we did that. And then it comes down to jealousy and it comes down to, you know, you know attacking attacking the opposition. It's business. It's human nature. And um, that's where it all came from. I, that is that is the bottom line. And then when you're dragging fan politics into it with the emergence of supporters groups, as we had back in the 80s and 90s, uh-huh. first of all, protest groups, which... 99.9% of the fans will get behind because they want a particular owner out. Then you have, you know, once you get what you want, so say we had the Magpie group come in and save the day and Holland Shepherd come in and, we, and the rest is history. The entertainers is born. Um, the fans didn't have anything to, to argue and fight about. So then they go back to argue and fight amongst themselves, jockeying for position to be the recognised fans, group of fans organisation. So it, it's... It, it's 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 on a repeat, really. We're on the second, we're on the second roll of this. You know what yeah. I mean? Because we've been through that twenty-four year, that twenty-four year, fourteen-year period with Ashley, and now we're back to that rebuild, and we could be we could be winning things now. So the excitement builds. So we're back to that little thing now with the supporters. The difference being, as you pointed out, we've now got social media, which means that people can hide behind anonymous accounts, not be themselves. And have a pop. People can influence other supporters behind the scenes and have a pop. Um, and now we've got now we've got the emergence of a new supporters group. We had Kevin on the show on Monday um, to talk. Not Darren, as people seem to keep saying on on social media. It was Kevin. Kevin Moore. His name was on the screen. Um, but he came on it, and we've got the emergence of a new fans group, which which is causing again a bit of animosity on the on the on the timelines. And that that's the thing. It's it's all changed. It's. It's 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 all the same, and it's all for the same reason. But it's it's all different, you know, because it's social media. It's it's bonkers, mate. I'm, and that's why me, Steve Hasty, Neil Mitchell, um, and I encourage others on this platform to do the same. It's just keep out of it. Keep out of it. If you want to join it, go and join it. Good luck to you. Um, I won't be joining any of them. I don't join any of these groups anymore. And just sit back and. Get your popcorn out and just sit and watch them all fight amongst themselves because it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. And if you think about that little argument you maybe having on social media for an hour of your day, just think of what you could have done in that hour. You could have done something more productive, you know, than than sit and argue on social media about something you don't need to argue about. Rant over. But what do you think? <laughs> yeah, it was fair points. Very, very valid. The, the the new supporters club to me. I, I, I think it shows that there was a need for it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have the new amount of people joining, which, which, but that should be good. The, the only way it can be fixed, and to me, it's a quite obvious answer, is the club make an official one. Uh, and that's the one thing I'm not sure why they haven't as yet, especially from from living overseas. I've I've spoke with Sarah by email and in person about starting an official supporters club here in Bahrain. Now, if I just put it on Facebook or on Twitter and start a supporters club, I'd probably get about 10 people interested. But if it was an official affiliation with the club, that would that would grow by probably to 500 within a few months. And then it would grow again as the, as the club gets better. The same would happen with people like Roy and Qatar, Al-Balir and Riyadh. That uh, you have Julie over there in Dubai, who's done an exceptional job uh, in getting Newcastle fans together in Dubai, which has always been a problem. But when things are successful, it's easier to achieve. So 
why the club haven't yet done it, I'm, I'm unsure. But it's I'm sure they've had more pressing matters to contend with. For yeah, I, th I think so. I mean, I put a poll out at the start of the week. I'm not going to, you know, we've touched on it this morning. Um, and I will be doing this on the Amigos when the poll finishes. Four days left, 2,414 votes so far. It's pinned at the top of me Twitter, at Steve Wraith. The simple question was, with the emergence of another NUFC fans group, is it time for Newcastle United to look at launching an official supporters club? Feel free to comment and vote. Some great comments. I'm not going to touch on them today. I'm going to do it on the Amigos on Friday. So far, 78.8% of the 2,414 think, yes, we should have an official supporters group. So that's going to be an interesting debate, that. And maybe the club might look at it and say, well, actually, it's worth it. And we we dropped it in a conversation um, when we went up to the club a few weeks back, me, Steve, Hasty, and, and Keith Patterson. Um, the club, well, you know, Sarah didn't really understand where we we're coming from. But I think I think it, it, it does need doing. And and again, as I say, we can discuss this moving forward on the on the show this on the shows this week. But um it, it's an interesting topic. Place your vote now at Steve Wraith and we'll uh, look at that later in the week. Neil Calvert says it's similar to buying a house. Sooner or later you want somewhere bigger and better. Stadium is bricks and mortar. PIF want to be the biggest and best. So a shiny new stadium will just be a matter of time. Um, Neil, it's a good point, mate. And yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, and we know that, you know, Saudi as well, Stuart, they're moving towards that big that big year as well, aren't they? Which, which again, could be significant yeah. in, in Newcastle United's development. Well, if you call the Middle East the sandpit, then the Saudis are the biggest boys in the sandpit. Mm -hmm. And that, that's where you get the... Dubai has been exceptional. And if, if it has to be biggest, best, first, fastest... This is what Dubai built its new image on. Uh, but Saudi have more wealth than anywhere else in this in this region. So it would be a reflection on them if we had a a, a huge new stadium that was state-of-the-art, that was, was something that people wanted to visit, you know, people respected and everything else. But using that word respect, they're very respectful of cultures as well. And... You know the people's feelings or affinity to see in James Park, but sometimes to improve you, you have to change. You know the old saying is, if things uh, don't change, the stay as they are, then we're not going to move forward. So we, we can't have seventy thousand people want to get in the stadium. We've only got fifty thousand seats. If you take the reallocation into consideration, and and it's it's a conversation from the time. Let us have this period where we are going to be winning trophies on a regular basis because you're only spending millions and millions and millions building a new stadium for us not to be successful. So you need to have at least two or three year period on the pitch where we are winning to justify the expansion of the stadium. But this is where I believe uh, fixing the Gallagher, making the club with the ground to about 59, 60,000, yeah. that would appease initially. And then once we become more renowned again in Europe and globally, once our footprint's out there and everyone knows who Newcastle United are, not just uh, famous for Alan Shearer or a great set of fans, they'll be known as a fantastic football team. And this is how we grow. You know, and you, you have, you've seen the lads from Bulgaria that come over for the last home game. You know, that was, that was 30 strong. That could easily be 100 strong within a couple of years. And that's just one country. So, you know, you have to be able to cater for such things. And if there is official fan clubs that can then roll to the, you know, what, there's 19 home games in the season. 
You could pick 19 countries and say, there you go, there's 100 tickets, this is your game, fill them. Or there's 50 tickets, fill them. You know, and it's it gives people more of a association with the club. It, it shows that they're, they're caring more. It also shows that the club's more is professional because everything they've done since they walked through the door has been professional. Uh, so this, to me, it's a step that will be taken. It's just a case of when. But sometimes as fans, we can be very demanding and want, want, want too much. You know, if things will happen and, and they will come. Just like the transfers, the, we know we're going to be signing big players. Eddie Howe even mentioned it yesterday, didn't he? Uh, yeah. He mentioned elite players. It was interesting that's you and yeah let's let's move let's move on to that I just want to reiterate you know is the current team's success comparable to the entertainers era from the fans perspective love that era personally but feel we have more chance of winning trophies now my dad said yesterday Ray, that the Manchester United game for him surpassed any of the games that he watched with the entertainers my dad and me went to all of those games and he personally felt it's the best performance he has seen it from a Newcastle United team you know since we won the first cup and that's a hell of a that's a hell of a compliment from somebody who's been there and seen it and done it all, and uh, not quite as many games as George Mitchell, but um, he has been uh, to a lot of them. So I would say yes, and you know I think ultimately the big the big thing will be you know eventually when the the win a trophy, but that will come with you know with time and bigger and better players. And and yeah, in the press conference yesterday, the you know the the conversation was always going to come up after Klopp's meltdown in his press conference where. You know, you know, Liverpool have more or less said that they won't be going in for Bellingham because they won't spend that kind of money on one player. Um, that's now going into day two of news. That you know, it was the headline on Sky this morning. Um, you know, about about Klopp. Um, of course, it was going to lead to other managers in press conferences being asked about elite players. And you know, would he consider spending? You know, you know, all of these putting all of these eggs in one basket. I think is the way that Simon Bird described it at the press conference. Yeah. And you know. Again, Eddie is so cute when he answers these questions, but more or less stipulating that they will continue in the same continue in the same vein, using the same strategy, and you know the player will have to have to be a, a player who can adapt on the pitch and off the pitch, um, not upset the not upset the atmosphere in the dressing room, and you know be capable of doing what he's doing. And you know, I I think it was I think it was just a typical Eddie Howe answer. Um, he was pushed on Declan Rice. Um, again, you know, he, he was never going to say yes or no to a particular player, but but ultimately there was certainly yesterday a little inkling that you know, and again he's mentioned it in two or three previous press conferences. There is a plan A, there is a plan B, there is a plan C. There's a plan A for Champions League, there's a plan B for Europa League, there's a plan C for Europa Conference. So ultimately there is, you know, there is there is a different mindset. He's already targeting players. He's already looking at them. He spent his time in Dubai doing just that, looking at players. He said. So, from our perspective, it's just a wait and see, isn't it? It's, it's a wait and see which which European competition we end up in. But isn't it nice that we actually have plans? <laughs> oh yeah, Christ Almighty! I mean, we weren't planning anything until you know the season finished and Mike Ashley'd flown in for his once you know one one a game you know one one a game season to have a quick chat with Lee Johnny and say, right, there's you know you've got a You've got a, a couple of million to spend on this in there, but I want 10 million back in. Yeah, or well, you've got note, you've got to generate your own money. So, yeah, the again, it, it shows that the, the club is forward thinking, the, they're not resting on the laurels, they know that they have to spend money. But referring to Eddie Howe's print conference, now you, it can be interpreted any way you want, but as you know, I always like to be glass half full. Well, actually, I like my glass to be full, so I've got more to drink, but 
I, I think he revealed some targets yesterday because they were trying to push him on 80 to 100 million players. And it was quite clear they were alluding to who they've been linked with this week, which is Declan Rice. He didn't deny it. Uh, and he didn't say he'd put all his eggs in one basket. So the way I was said, I, the way I perceived that was, well, we could spend 80 million on one player, but that doesn't mean that's my budget. You know, so he didn't say this, but it's, it's the way I picked it up. Um, but we'd have to be in the Champions League. Now, that's, again, it's common sense. If you're at the top table, you get more food or you get the best food first, don't you? So they'll get a higher range of players they could attract by being in the Champions League. Uh, and the fact, I think anyone within the UK or anyone who supports Newcastle United or listens to Newcastle United supporters will get the feeling that this club is on the up. Uh, I don't like the word project. It sounds too American to me, but uh, uh, it, it is. It's a club that's going places. And as a footballer, using Declan Rice as an example, now personally, I, I think he's same for Arsenal. I hope he doesn't. I can't see him going to Chelsea. Why would he want to sit there and look at the... He'd be competing for one place with four or five people. Arsenal, he'd be doing the same. And they've got three people, I think, that can play in that position. So if anyhow gets in his shell and says to him, look, you can go and be a squad player here or you can be there or you can be a regular starter here and become a hero, become a legend and we can build a team around you. We'll have you. We'll have Bruno. Um, we're going to get Madison. We'll get Isaac up front. We're going to get this person. And you can sell it just as Keegan used to sell it to other players. And you can be part of something here that is a legacy. And you'll get the same money. We'll pay you. Don't worry about that. Look at our owners. They're not shy. They're not short of a quid or two. You know, so we will continue to improve. Other clubs are treading water, trying to keep to where they are. We're on an upward trajectory and we've got the funds to keep growing. Others haven't. And that's why you have Klopp having his meltdown. I thought yesterday his dig was more at Chelsea than us because he kept referring to 600 million, didn't he? So that's, that's the way I look at that. But why couldn't we sign Tierney, Madison and Rice this window? And I'm going to throw something in here. And Ekatiki uh, or Joe Pedro, who we've both been linked to in the past. That's going to cause a stir. Go on. Now, the, the, the reason behind it, if we, if we do the figures, right, let's say Rice costs 80 million, Madison costs 50. So Madison and Diaby for 50. So there's 130 spent. Tierney will cost 30. 160. Ekatiki or Pedro is 30. So there's 190 outgoing. Now, for sure, they're going to spend over what they spent last summer. So they're going to be spending somewhere in the region of 150, especially if they get the Champions League. The financial fair play will be easier with the sponsors, the guaranteed money from the Champions League, etc. Now, where the case contentious is, you've got to raise outgoings. Now, on the wings, I'll just get the name out. We could get 40 million for ESM, and that brings the spend down to 150. Fraser, who's quite clearly, again, it was mentioned yesterday, he's not part of this team anymore. Get 10 million for him. But if we're bringing players in, we have to let players go to release the players in the squad. Also have to take into consideration, we've got 15 million for Wood coming already. We've got Shelby's money, his, his wages off the list. Now, just to be more contentious, if we get Madison, would you see Miggy wanting to stay knowing he's not going to be a regular starter? 
So you could get 20 million for him if he's happy to be a squad member because he loves the area, he loves the club, and he wants to be part of a winning team. Then we get Murphy, we'll get 10 million for him. So you're bringing in 40, 50 million just from two or three players. We've got to keep up that needs to go. So do you sell Dubravka and get five, 10 million for him and, and keep Karius? Or do you let Karius go and keep Dubravka? So there's a lot of work to be done behind the scenes and fixing the squad. And that'll, of course, come from Eddie Howe and his, 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 his coaching team to see who's the right fix, like which players do suit the squad. But if you've got someone like, when he mentioned yesterday about uh, how he was happy with Dan Byrne and he fits into a back three when Trippier goes forward, why wouldn't he want the same on the other wing? Rather than make us too obvious that all our attackers come down the right. Now, again, I'll bang the Kieran Tierney drum. He, he's a great crosser of the ball. And in, for Scotland, he plays in the back three. So he can do that anyway. But for Arsenal, he plays left back when he does play. Then you have the, he's injured all the time. And it's it's a tag that's not right. And I, I even looked at that this morning. Uh, so I've got it written down somewhere. Uh, is he injury prone? In the last three seasons, he's missed 29 games. He's been unavailable for 29 games in three seasons. Arsenal have, have played in excess of 160 of those games. In the last three seasons, ASM today will be his 32nd or 33rd game he's missed. But he doesn't get called injury prone. So the narrative changes depending on who the player is. So if he's missing an average of 10 games a season, we're going to play in 50 games a season plus. I'll have him for 40 games a season. Well, then we've got Matt Target for 10 games a season. You could then have uh, Dan Byrne as cover, all cover for Botman, because these players have excelled, the, the squad players, but we can't have the sentiment if we're going to improve. We can't keep saying, the, oh, that player's been good for us. Uh, and you have to look at other teams, Manchester City, Aguero, they got rid of him. We would have snapped their hands off. Probably 16 other teams in the league would have snapped their hands off to have Aguero at that stage. David Silva, they know when their players up or that position needs improved on. And that's what we have to do. We have to be show no emotion. And, and right, we, we are, we can't have the, what I'm trying to say is we can't have the success quicker if we're going to sit and stay loyal to players who can't can give us that success. So if if uh, if someone said right Madison or Miggy, if you ran a poll on that, I'm sure we'd have ninety percent saying Madison. Mm. Uh, and they, they've signed Gordon uh, for a reason. So they're, they're not going to spend forty million of him and just let him loiter on the bench and play him occasionally. He's going to be to me part of a front three next season. And if you've got a front three of Madison, let's say Isaac and Gordon and in. To, oh, sorry, to replace them, you've got Willock, Wilson and Almiron and Murphy. I think that's that's improved the squad, has it not? And then midfield, the main three, you could even just sit there and say, right, we've got Rex uh, with Bruno and Joe Linton in front of them. They showed that yesterday, that they, them two together in the middle can play really well when they're given advanced roles and when they have to attack. Then you've you've got people like Sean Longstaff sitting there. You've got, you've also got Elliot Anderson that can cover the left where Willock can come into the middle and be cover. Our squad, our second eleven becomes exceptionally better. Um, and then in defence, as I've just mentioned there, if we get another centre half to cover, we don't need to get that many players. And I'm sure this is what Eddie Howe was alluding to when he says we need elite players players to come in who are better than what we've got to improve the squad. Uh, that's why I think we'll get three or four good ones. 
get rid of the Frasers. Richie, thank you very much. Who to me would make a great reserve team manager. But take his squad number off him. Fraser goes, ASM goes, Dubbit goes, and a, uh, a goalkeeper will still have three anyway. But take them out, get four in. Now, this is the cat amongst the pigeons theory. How about ASM goes to PSG because they're going to be losing Messi and possibly Neymar in the summer? That's a downgrade. Uh, well, possibly, but it's the only team in France that could afford them. It's probably the only team in France, with the exception of Monaco, that could attract them. Uh, they'd guarantee European Champions League football. And then we could get Ekitiki in return plus cash. Now, that's just a theory I'll throw out there. I'll probably be blasted for it. But it's, this is how business works. You've got to look to improve. And if ASM's not going to be a regular starter, or if he's injury, it takes him six games to get back up to speed, and then after two or three games, he gets injured again. We need better than that. And that's not me personally attacking the guy. It's the same for any player who's consistently injured. Where That's why I said he's a good front rather than Wilson, and I love Callum Wilson. But we need people who are going to be playing on a regular basis. Uh, and it shows whenever we've got a settled team, we go on unbeaten runs. Uh, and... If we've got better players in a settled team, common sense tells you that we'll go higher up the league. And if we're third at the moment, there's only two places higher to go. Why I've got, I've got to pull you on Ekatiki, like because I'm not being funny. And, and like this is this is the whole, you know, this is the whole thing with me. I think with Ekatiki, it's been, you know, he's missed the boat. Um, badly advised or not, he decided not to come to Newcastle. And, you know, he chose to go to a club where he didn't get any game time, he's sitting on the bench. And, you know, now he's, now he's you know, on the outside looking in. I can see your, I can see your, your, your mindset for bringing him young, um, you know, could, could be the next Thierry Henry. But we, we spent that money on, we spent, we spent some money on a, a player who, you know, has hit the ground running now, Isaac. And um, I, I'd be surprised if we take him. I, you know, I, I, I genuinely, I genuinely don't think... I don't think that's an option. Why do you think Ekatiki is an option? And why would you give him a second chance? Well, sometimes, you know, uh, live and forget and forgive and all that. But it's it's a player that we're clearly earmarked. And they've shown in the past that they'll, they'll be prepared to wait. And again, you've got to look at not just from our demanding supporters' eyes. You've got to look at through the players' eyes. He's a young lad, probably didn't speak English. Um, and then the major team in his country are wanting him and he had an opportunity to go where Messi, Neymar and Mbappe were. There wouldn't be many young lads that would turn that down. Uh, yes, he was badly advised and it hasn't worked out for him, but, you know, I mean, life's part of a learning curve, isn't it? And he, he could learn from that and whether it's, to me, the only question would be his attitude. And the reason I threw his name in, I'm not suggesting that we will sign him, and what I'm saying is it's a player that we're initially interested in. So, now we're in a stronger bottom position because it looks like they're, they're willing to let him go. We'd get him for cheaper than what we would have got for last season. And he'll come with his tail between his leg and say, right, you're going to be playing behind Isaac, behind Wilson if they keep Wilson. And then say, right, there you go. Learn from these. We can make you a world-class player, but you have to learn your trade here and you've got to show the right attitude. And that that's the reason behind it because... It, when you get linked with the likes of Omishen and stuff like that, as fantastic as he is, he's probably just a bracket above where we are at the moment. Uh, same with Bellingham. You know, there's there's a there's elite and then there's super elites. And at the moment, we're not able to, uh, I don't think, we'd be able to attract these type of players because they'll have the pick of any club in Europe that can afford them. 
So with someone like uh, Ekatike, or even Amish, and then you're going to have Isaac, would he be happy sitting on the bench? Because we're playing a 4-3-3. So he either has to go on the left or, or on the bench. Uh, and we have to progress at the right pace as well. If we start too many superstars in and then the, the team ethic gets lost, and, and then we become a PSG. And that's that's not where we want to be. And, and I don't think the club would allow that either. So I think the top end of our spending will be would be someone like Declan Rice or someone of that ilk, that, that price bracket. And then by adding someone like Madison and Tierney, that, there's the three players that would improve our squad immeasurably. Uh, the huge upgrades on what we've got. And then we get a younger forward that comes in to learn his trade from two exceptional forwards. Uh, and it keeps the squad, the balance, right? And it keeps the squad happy. That was my thoughts behind Negativity anyway. Yeah, well, that's it. The main thing is, if you've got a suggestion, you can, you know, you can put it out there. And, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see whether, you know, Eddie Howe and the club go for Negativity again. It could be, could be a good move. I mean, I mentioned last night as well, ultimately, that, you know, relegation um, to, to say Leicester and Southampton might throw up an interesting conundrum as well. I mean, you've already mentioned Madison, but we could end up looking at James Ward-Prowse. So again, it would be, would be you know, an upgrade on what we've got in the team. I, um, I know Steve Hayes, he's a big fan of James Ward-Prowse and he's, uh, he's been advocating that probably for more than a year now. But to me, I don't think he'd fit in our style. Yes, he's exceptional at free kicks, but has he got the engine, the the energy to get up and down the pitch? What's required to be in our midfield, and that that's the question mark I've got for him. Where to me, I think let's face it: if he can if he can get the best out of Joe Linton, he'll be able to get the best out of oh, James sure. Ward-Prowse. Like improve any player, he could, there's there's no doubt in his his coaching ability to improve players. But if you had a choice between James Madison or Ward-Prowse, I'd be taking Madison all day long. You know, he's at the top of his game. He's he's capable of scoring. He's capable of assisting. Uh, and it'll be a further distraction up front, which is, is what we need. You can you can cut in, you can hit the byline, rather than just be the inverted winger type. You know, you can do both. You can play the 10 rule exceptionally well. So you can play more than one position where, to me, Ward-Prowse would be similar to Bruno, uh, where he, he can get up and down, but I'd rather have Bruno than Ward-Prowse. So... If Salampton go down and you get him for a song, then put him in the squad. But uh, again, refer to what Eddie Howe was saying. He wants people who are ready to come and improve the team. Uh, and the three I keep mentioning, and with it being Tierney, Madison and now Rice, all of those would walk straight into the team. Not walk into it, but they, they would be in the start of the 11, uh, which strengthens the squad. Well, Ward Prowse, I'm not sure he would make us start 11. Mm. Tyler, Adam, Tyler Adams is a good shout, Strawberry Corner. Yeah, I think I think you're right as well about his uh, his game management. Tierney's he's always injured, Stu. No Scottish bias there. I've just got stats. Go on it, check it out. Yeah, you, to be fair, you, you brought these stats up a while back, like so. I, I, and you yeah. know, unless unless you unless you look at the stats, yeah, it, it's paper talk, that isn't it? He does get. He you does know how many games he's been unavailable for this season? Go on. None. Wow, he's well, been available for all of them. There you go. Uh, got to be flexible, not predictable. David John Cook, good morning, says multi-positions definitely important to Eddie yeah. here because, uh, and, and that's what Joe Linton's done, isn't it? Joe Linton has been adaptable. Look at the game last week. You know, he went from, as Eddie said, he, he went from, you know, preventing, you know, Brentford playing to, to then, you know, making the magic happen with Bruno in the midfield for Newcastle to go on and win the game. And, and that's, to be adaptable is very important, isn't it? 
Absolutely. They, they looked like they enjoyed it in the second half, didn't they? They come out. I wouldn't have said they had a flame there, yet, but they, they come out, and I reckon they were challenged. You know, mm. you've done this. You're just going to give up now. You know, this is like the the last segment of your six half three game period, and you've done so well in the previous four. The fifth one, you've just messed up in. You've got this last segment, last half year now to mm. uh, show that you really are Champions League contenders. That you have the ability, the belief, the desire to do it. And they came out, they were like bouncing, wasn't it? They, they were like ticker on yeah. steroids, the way they were jumping about. And they destroyed Brentford the first 20 minutes that half. They really took the game to them. Uh, the energy levels were fantastic. And that was led by Joe Little and Bruno uh, in the midfield, wasn't it? Uh, the way they were getting the ball, spraying it about. Now, we have to also take into consideration it was my birthday last Saturday. So, by the end of the game, I couldn't remember because when I woke up on Sunday morning to do the professionals, I thought Wilson had scored. <laughs> uh, so I then realised that he had scored, but it was disallowed. So, uh, but the, the, what I recall from it, I, I, I thought we were exceptional uh, the, the second half, and we, we could have won by a bigger margin than the two one showed. But that made up for the second uh, for the first half because that was probably our poorest first half for a number of months. Definitely, because yeah, even even when we were drawn the games, we were still playing well enough to win them. Uh, but it was like lacklustre, wasn't it? But yeah. the, the middle of the second half. Jimmy suggests Pedro. I mean, that was a name that was on the horizon for a while. And of course, he's, you know, he's, he looks good in black and white, doesn't he? Um, as, as we've seen in the strip that he's played. And yeah, he can play as a winger and as a striker. So, and, and I do remember what Eddie Howe said in the press conference a while back um, when the transfer window closed in the summer. Uh, he said, um, he said to, to, to the players who we didn't manage to get, um, keep doing what you're doing. You know what I mean? So there was that, and I highlighted that on the show, which which proves that he probably will keep looking, they'll keep watching, and if they keep performing at the best of their ability and they're still fit into the, the, the game plan at Newcastle, then he will go back for them. So maybe that was a, a personal message to Pedro, who knows? Anana loves our project, apparently, who has told him Gordon, probably, I would have imagined. And the question... Got to say, what's his name now, haven't I? Unana, what's his name? <laughs> uh, Dan says, the question is more, uh, do you overspend for him to move from having one of the best set play takers for 99-100. No, that's getting back to James Ward-Prowse, I guess. Yeah. And um, yeah, look, it's it'll be interesting. Um, you know, and and what you, you what you pay for him as a Premier League player is not what you'll pay for him as a Championship player. These teams, especially with the way the things go now, when you get relegated, will will have to you know take a major drop in prices on some of these players. I, I look at Dean Smith going to Leicester, and I think is that the death knell for Leicester? Um, I would have said yes if you were relying on the manager alone. I think the big thing for Leicester this season will be the players' dressing room bounce. It, it, it's very, very rarely the manager that changes things. It's the players' mentality, and players who aren't getting a game suddenly find themselves play, who suddenly find themselves playing could change a game. Jamie Vardy, he, he's been fit, um, and he, he hasn't been featuring. So clearly. You know, there's something happened there. Maybe so him and Rogers. Maybe he just doesn't think he's good enough anymore. He doesn't think he's not doing it in training, whatever. Um, but you would you, you would say that a fully fit Jamie Vardy is going to get goals and keep Leicester up. Um, and there was but, another player for Leicester, Steve, as well that we were previously linked to that hasn't been playing as Telemans. So yeah, and, I, and I'm not a fan of Telemans. Like no, no but uh, I was talking about Leicester. I think he could come back in the team with Vardy. And that yeah. Oh yeah. 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 But you know, a lot of people. A lot of people fancy Telemans to come to St James's Park, you know what I mean? And 
I'm, I'm not sure. Neil Calvert says, my dream signings are Rice, Declan Rice, of course, Diaby, top end, a couple of free transfers and a couple of up-and-coming players. And again with Diaby, I don't watch I don't watch any other football other than the Premier League. Um, I do know somebody who watches religiously French, German, you know, Ethiopian, you name it. He watches whatever leagues um, that he can. He, he literally sits and watches every single game. He's not impressed with Diaby. Like he says, he's in and out. He's not. He's not a great player. Um, he wouldn't take him to Newcastle. So I don't know enough about Diaby. Stu, are you um, are you more aware of Diaby than I am? Probably not much more. Uh, he's he is an exceptional talent and someone that we have been linked with. But regarding that, again, I asked the question: Diaby or Madison? Mm. Uh, Madison's tried and tested. At the, at the Premier League, not the highest level, because I don't want to be copyrighted one of your books. But he's, he's tried and tested at the Premier League level, isn't he? Yeah. And he's less of a risk, and he's someone that could fit into the, the squad mentality straight away. So I wouldn't be upset if we got Joby, don't get us wrong. And he's, he's very fast, which is something that Eddie Howe likes. It. He likes the, the pace they hit on the break. Yeah. Uh, but imagine, look at us now. When we first started doing these podcasts, it was like, oh, we want Ashley out. It was locked down. It was all doom and gloom. And now we're debating whether we should have Madison or Diaby in our team. That's yes, great, the magnitude of how far we've grown in that, in that time. In that, what, two or three year period. It's it's incredible. And this is why, what I said at the start, sometimes we're just going to sit back and actually enjoy it instead of constantly trying to find faults with, with, with when there's no faults to find. You know, there's the, the good heavily outweighs the bad. And if our biggest concerns this season or this summer is going to be Diaby or Madison, then we're doing fantastically well. Yeah. Uh, Tom asked this question earlier on. He says, do you think Matt Target's got a future at the club? I mean, listening to Eddie Howe yesterday, I would have said, I would say yes. Um, you know, Eddie Howe would like to keep him. But there again, Eddie Howe would like to keep everybody. Um, you know, but that's not possible. And again, like to probably... You know, counterphrase one of you, one of your things that you said in the past, and Mitch. There's no room for sentiment, and um, you know, I'm not sure whether Matt Target is going to want to stick around and sit on the bench. And I know what Eddie said yesterday was that you know Matt's been unlucky because Dan's come in and done such a good job, but you know he's ready, and when he gets his chance, I'm sure he'll take it. I, you know, I'd like to think that Matt Target still has a future. He did fantastically well for us last last year, but at this moment in time, I just can't see him getting in. And I think that'll be a conversation between him and Eddie Howe, certainly in the summer, you know, because he's not, he yeah. wants he wants to play football and he's too good to sit on the bench. Well, that's the thing when you're going to have, uh, when the squad improves, you can only still play 11. So then you've got to have quality players who are, well, they should, they should never be happy being on the bench, but happy to be part of the squad, knowing that when they do get a chance, they'll they, they then keep it as long as they perform. And that's how... I think Eddie Howe's done it. You know, once you're in the team, he's shown it with Murphy for a few games. You know, I think he'd probably be people's third choice right winger. But he came in, I think Man City was his first game. And he showed flashes of brilliance, some great crosses. And his work ethic, I don't think anyone's ever going to question. So he's rewarded with a continued run on the team. Now, whether that's whether he starts again today or not, out of loyalty, we don't know. But we know Gordon's ready to play now. You know, Mickey's probably going to be on the bench. Um, so with Matt Target, could he be there to me? If he's if he's willing to be part of the squad, then definitely keep him. Because there's people like him and Chris Wood, they played massive roles in us staying up last season. Yeah, they did. Uh, and, and without them, we wouldn't be where we were. 
and and the, it's like the, we're talking about the killer kill claim signings and stuff like that. As fans, we should always show gratitude to these players. They're not going to be starting for us next year, the year after. Well, Wood's not going to be starting for us at all now, but they they played such a role in keeping us in that league to allow us to take the springboard and develop to where we are now. So if Target's happy to be a squad player and take the chances, as people keep saying Tierney's injury prone, he's going to get more chances he is than playing behind Dan Byrne, isn't he? So then Dan Byrne can be cover for... Uh, Botman because he was never brought in to be a regular starter. He's excelled. He's excelled from from what he was brought in for. Be a squad player, get your game, you know, and the fact that he's a local lad is, is brilliant and he's done really well. But he has limitations and there is better players out there. Again, referring back to this sentimentality. We can't keep him in the team because he's a local lad. If there's a better player in that position, doesn't matter who it is, you keep them. And there's two players I've said all the same. As long as they fit, we'll start on this team. Three players. And that'll be Trippier, Bruno and Pope. What we'd like to have is six or seven players that if they fit, they start. And that means we're, as a team, we're, we're right up there. Uh, and then we can start playing rotation with the other ones. But you need your spine of your team to be strong. Strawberry Corner makes a good point. He wanted out of Villa for not getting first-team football. Not sure he'll settle for the bench. And uh, Dan, you are right. The bench last week was insane, considering Miggy was missing as well. Yeah. Uh, and that's what we've always said. We've, we went from six weeks ago saying we've got no strength and depth and things are looking bad and we're struggling to now, you know, he's got players players coming out of his, you know, years, basically, which um, it's great. And that's what you need for, for this, this running, you know, Newcastle United chasing that uh, Champions League. Dream and the Champions League dream chase continues today at Villa Park. Uh, we covered it last night, of course, on the Amigos. I've stuck up Tune Stato's uh, little piece and Scunny Mag's piece um, as separate videos on the channel as well, so you'll be able to see them. But it's a 12 30 kickoff live on BT Sports. 3,000 Newcastle United fans have travelled down, and uh, Newcastle looking to make it uh, six wins on the trot. Miguel Miron uh, should feature in some way, shape, or form today. I would imagine he'll be on the bench. ASM won't be involved, um, but uh, earlier fears in uh, the early part of the week of him having a hamstring issue have been laid to rest by Eddie House press conference yesterday. Bruno's fine, uh, no concerns over the uh, ankle injury, so he will uh, be starting today. As for Aston Villa, well, Jed Steer is out. Uh, there are doubts over Leon Bailey, Bubakar Kamara, Matty Cash, and Philippe Coutinho. Uh, Aston Villa, though, they are in good form. Uh, they've taken 19 points from a possible 21. But uh, yeah, let's let's just say that Newcastle United, I feel, are going to get a result today as I predicted last night. Referee is John Brooks. The last game he took uh, uh, in charge of Newcastle was the 5-1 Premier League home win against Brentford. He was also in charge of the 1-0 League Cup victory over Bournemouth at St James's Park this season. And on VAR, which has been kind to us over the last few weeks, is Simon so, um, my prediction was 2-1. Um, I don't think it's going to be, you know, I don't think it's going to be a, a convincing result uh, scoreline-wise, but I think it'll be a comprehensive display. I think Newcastle will dominate this from the off. I don't think they'll start badly. I don't think they'll start as badly as uh, they did against Brentford. And um, I do think that they'll be in control of the game. I think it'll be a late consolation for Villa. I think Newcastle will go into a 2 0 lead and they'll boss the game. And um, yeah, I'm I'm really confident. I have been all week about this fixture. Um, confident about beating Spurs as well. And I'm confident about beating Arsenal. Um, and, and and that's not just coming with a with a run, run of results. It's coming with a way of watching the way Newcastle are setting up, the way they're playing, the mentality of the players when they're interviewed on TV. 
and listening to Eddie Howe week in, week out, we could beat anybody. And, um, you know, that wonderful, wonderful, um, you know, run after the cup final, it's going to continue. So, Stu, um, I presume it's 3-1. You've got to get it. You've got to get it this week. Well, of course, I've had two bets. I had 3-1. Uh, but the score I thought it was going to be was 2-0. And I put both those bets on at the start of the week. Then, as we know in the WhatsApp group, uh, Keith's always put, also put 2-0 on. Now, I can prove I put it on before him, but... <laughs> What I don't want is it's my bet, my bet. But the way I've been betting, I've always missed out by one goal. So your two ones probably the most likely result. So if I put two nil and three one, then uh, take the two one because that will probably be the winner there. But I, I think we will. Uh, there's two teams going on to the into the game on the top of their form, but I think our peak is higher than Aston Villa's. I think our players are higher than Aston Villa's. And then the question I always ask myself is, how many of those players would get into our starting eleven? And then if the answer's less than three, we should win the game if the mentality's right. And I think the second half yesterday and most of the season shows that the mentality, the, the attitude, the application is there. So if we go there with the right mindset, which I'm more than confident that we will, Aston Villa shouldn't scare us. And they really shouldn't. And yes, they've they've done exceptionally well from where they were. And uh, you don't you can't discredit anything they've done. But who have they beaten that seven game run? The only top team you'd call was Chelsea, but they're not really that top at the moment. Uh, but they do have top players, so it's a good test for us. It's a good test for them. And the more tests that we get, the I think the the more we rise to the occasion. And I can see us as you said going there. And dominating, but there will be spells that Aston Villa will have, and that will play in, into our hands because I think they're susceptible to the counter attack. Leeds, uh, sorry, Leicester showed that there, Arsenal showed that there recently in the last few months. Uh, you, you get them, and if I was Mings, I wouldn't have had much sleep last night thinking, Am I going to be playing against Isaac or Wilson at the top of their games? You know, and, and you can look good if you don't have nothing to do, but when you've got these type of players running at you, then you're limitations are exposed and, and I, I'm really confident today and confident that we'll win next week I think the first time we'll drop points will be Everton in the way which is strange what to say but uh, they're, they're fighting for their lives and sometimes when you're, you're like that you can raise your performance more than they at the moment Aston Villa have massively overachieved from where they are they're riding the crest of a wave but they're still not as good as Newcastle they could win 10 games in a row and they still won't be as good as Newcastle so We'll go there today, we'll win there today, and we'll win next week as well. So, 3-1, of course. 2 nils me real game. Yes, but because I won, your 2-1 will probably be the winner. OK, good stuff. And uh, we couldn't finish today's show uh, without paying our respects uh, to those who lost their lives. Uh, just as for the 97, they'll never walk alone, um, never forgotten. And, uh, yeah, I'll leave you with that. Stu, great chat, mate. Look forward to seeing you. Uh, Jordy's here. Jordy's Best of contact Alan, as well. Speedy recovery, mate. Take care, mate. Thanks, Steve. Turn up, a big thanks to all our sponsors. Skips and Bins, telephone 0800 25 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. Thanks also to Mr Vicky's, Handmade in Cumbria, these sauces are really hot stuff. You can order them by emailing info at mrvickies.co.uk or by telephoning 01768 210 102. 
Thanks to Neil and the guys at Media Arts for all the help with the video side of things. And thanks to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End, Newcastle, and the guys who run our website, nufcmatters.com. If you want to subscribe to the show, hit the subscribe button tonight. It is free. Hit the thumb up under the video to like the video and click share to share to your other social media. If you want to join the channel, hit join. There's three different tiers. Pick the one that suits you and help support the channel financially. If you want to pay a one-off membership fee of £25 and get these goodies, a scarf, a pen, a cup, and entry into the monthly draw, then go to NUFC Matters and look for Membership Pack. Failing that, get your smartphone and put it over the QR code and it will take you straight there. We're also a podcast and you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean and other podcast providers. Usually goes up 24 hours after the show has finished. We also support the food bank on this channel. If you want to make a virtual donation today at the Matchday Bucket, go to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk and you can make a deposit today. Don't forget to enter the Shira raffle. There's 150 tickets, £1 per ticket, and you can win a limited edition signed Alan Shearer ball. Enter now at nufcmatters.com. If you have a look on our website, we've also got a vast range of mugs, T-shirts, cups, and whatever else takes your fancy. The Isaac T-shirt is proven popular this month, 16.99 plus delivery from nufcmatters.com. Don't forget as well, we do a, a range of events over the course of the year. We have Peter Beardsley, an up-close and personal evening at the Time Mouse Surf Cafe. Limited tickets remain 25th of April. Get them now from surfcafetimemouth.co.uk or from ticketweb.uk. There's also an evening with Peter Beardsley on May the 19th at the Tyneside Irish Centre. And you can get tickets from newcastlelegends.com and tickets are £50. Don't forget our end of season do takes place 27th of May, 7 o'clock at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Tickets for that one are a tenner. NUFCmatters.com is where you can get your tickets for that. In June, Thursday the 1st of June to be precise, Rob Lee will be at Louis Liquor Store in the Big Market in Newcastle. And tickets for that are available direct from the venue. And an evening with Rob Lee, Lee Clark and John Beresford takes place the next evening on Friday the 2nd of June at the Grand Hotel in Gosforth. This is a charity event and tables are of £10, £700 and you can book them by contacting natalie at healandtour.org.uk or visiting their website. In July, Gavin Peacock is in Newcastle on July the 10th at the Tyneside Iris Centre. Tickets for that are available from nufcmatters.com and he also... Uh, takes uh, an evening with at the Surf Cafe in Tynemouth on the 11th of July. So get your tickets direct from the venue for that one as well. And if you're a boxing fan, the Night of Champions, Ricky Hatton, Frank Bruno, Nigel Benn and Joe Calzaghi takes place at the Fed. Uh, and that will be taking place on the 16th of June. More dates to be added. Tickets from all those events, www.goldstarpromotions.co.uk. Thank you.